The Power of Change, Episode 3. We're coming in real hot today after two awesome weeks of conversations. But before we get started today, I want us to uh, first just have a perspective on what this is all about. And metamorphosis is the power of change. Metamorphosis, think caterpillar and a butterfly. And it's to highlight those people that are excellent in their own race and people that are, for various reasons honing and have honed their craft to a degree where people look up to them. And I'm really excited for today's conversation because I believe it's one of those people. Um, he's a family member of mine and he's someone who has literally undergone transformation in his own life. And it's truly miraculous. The, the amount of growth that I've seen in him in just a matter of a couple of years, but we'll talk more about that in a second. This platform is to encourage and empower and highlight those excellent people for the reasons of their story and what they've had to grow through and what they've had to go through, what they've had to pivot through and the tangible decisions they've had to make to become who they are today. And we all have these choices each and every day. We all have these choices to take that step, to make that change and to really feel the empowerment that comes with, man, look at my life, man, look at all those things that have happened in such a short period of time. And Wow, it was because of that one thing. Um, today's going to be another one of those conversations. So buckle up, get your seatbelts on. Um, we're going to start off praying this conversation in. But my honor and privilege today is with Mr. Wes Lazama, or should I say Minister Wesley Lazama. Um, he's my brother-in-law, but he is a minister of King's Chapel just helped figurehead the west side oahu campus which had a couple shifts during covid but it's starting back up again and he's got and he'll tell you he's got the honor and privilege to start up that campus but he has that honor and privilege because i believe who the lord has called him to be and how he stepped into that and if you look back on this guy's life two years ago not to sell it short west but if if you look back two years ago you'd just be like holy cow like that's the same guy. Holy cow, it's the same guy, you know, speaking life into people. And I believe that all came from somewhere. You know, we hear these conversations on this podcast. All of these changes come from somewhere. And we're going to get a chance today with Minister West to highlight that story. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself and then go ahead and pray us in. Let's get this thing started. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's an honor of mine to uh, be one of your guests. But Father, we thank you for this time that we get to just talk about the testimony of what you've done in our lives and the people that you've called us to be and um, to show off the goodness of the Lord and how being faithful to you can change the, pe the people that we thought we might be for, um, as children or the people we were raised to be, Lord. But you have a call and a destiny for each and every one of our lives. We think we ask that you bless this time. You use it to encourage those that are listening and that you even put, the, put, this, put this podcast on the hearts of those that it, as it continues to grow and minister to others that you would, that your favor would be on it and your name we pray this amen cool and you know that's exactly just kind of explain to listeners is exactly what it's about you know it's not up to us to make the transformation it's up for us to kind of take the platform the lord has given us and and share um, if you call it a testimony call it a testimony but share a story that hopefully will encourage and empower even unbelievers you know this this is all what it's all about there's a there's a life that comes from these situations in this story so 
we first want to humble ourselves and identify, you know, it's our Lord and Savior that has done it in both of us. But um, let's cut to the chase, Wes. I definitely have been so encouraged by you over the past six months and all the opportunities you've had to lead people and to start from a place that a lot of people envy, which is from scratch and really having that ability to to plant culture, to paint culture. But before we get into all that stuff, tell us a bit about your story um, and maybe some just things that have really been highlighted to you on why you've taken this journey of, of being a minister and and taking the lead in um, uh, an area on the west side of Oahu that, that is really in need of something like what you guys are doing. Yeah, sure. I'm just kind of a rundown on myself. Um, I don't come from a lineage of pastors and ministers. And so um, I, my family, if you look at uh, the past generations before me, it's riddled with just attacks from the enemy. Drug abuse was big in my household, um, gambling and things like that. And my family's from Guam. We spent majority of my childhood moving um, away from certain areas where gambling and drugs were prevalent and then we would go and move in with a family member in California. So I, tr- I moved a lot. People think I was military sometimes, but I didn't. it wasn't because of military. It was because we were trying to escape um, just some of the things that were, the generational curses that were part of my family. And so um, I come from a, that type of background. I moved to Hawaii when I was about 11 years old and ended up um, falling in love with it, staying here as a, um, when I turned 18 and my family moved away, ended up staying here. Um, but... I, I ended up serving God and finding a way, looking for hope when I just, my, my mom always brought us to church. She wasn't, it, my mom, I could, I'd say a lot of things about my mom, but one thing that she did do is she brought us to church every single Sunday and made sure that we were close to Jesus in that way. And a lot of those fundamental truths that were sown into me as a kid were things as a teenager and as a young adult that really spurred up inside of me when I started searching for a change and wanting something different than what my friends were. Um, I don't have a single friend that I grew up with that is serving God right now. Every single one of them has fallen into the same traps of drug abuse, partying, whatever it may be, you know? Um, And so I knew I wanted something different. I knew who Jesus was. He wasn't my Lord and my Savior yet, but I I knew that he existed. And at one point, I just really wanted something different. And so I started to search for that and... um, gave God a chance and never really looked back when I was 18. I was like, God, I'm going to give you this chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start serving you. And I never really turned back from there. God's continued to, been, to be faithful to me, um, shown me and uh, brought a lot of influential people in my life to really show me how to be a man of God, how to be a, a Christian, how to love Jesus and do, do a lot of things like that, you know, be successful as far as being 26 years old so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, praise God for that. Um, you mentioned something about moving a lot and I know this about you coming from Guam and then moving to Hawaii and then obviously having family over in uh, Southern California as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've moved myself a bunch of times and what I've learned from moving was for one I think it gave me an awesome external perspective on my family and the, the patterns of behavior that I could decide on and I could choose. And it's not taking a shot, you know, people are created and inclined to be a certain way. I believe that. But we also fall in our habits because of that same inclination. So that's number one. Number two, 
Um, I think moving teaches you to be adaptable in a lot of different cultures and communities and learning how to assimilate, uh, not for the chance of like becoming like them, but just to be able to relate and to be able to, to have friendships and foundations you can kind of lay your feet on. So um, what are your thoughts on, on that process in, in your mind and like how it shaped you and allowed you to kind of shift around it in the various places you've been and then like spiritually the various places you've had to be? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really opened my mind as far as cultures and people and given me an understanding of um, maybe sometimes people aren't being offensive as much as they just simply don't understand. Um, going from Guam to California to Hawaii, those are three very different cultures and very different demographics of people. Um, and I can really relate to the people of California um, as far as the, the way that they were raised, the way that they think because I was there as a kid and then I have a lot of family members still there. Um, and it's really opened up a, uh, an understanding, I would say. It's, it, it, it's become an advantage for me as an adult because I no long, I'm not just one-track-minded. I have an understanding that and people weren't raised the same way as me across the globe. You know? So yeah, getting to meet different cultures, different people, um, and being a part of different communities has really broadened my viewpoint of there's a lot of different people out there who think different, who act different, and how to be respectful and still build relationships with them. You know, I don't want to. I don't want a, a relationship to be closed off simply because somebody was raised different. You know, and so doing that has been an and it has doing that as a kid has been an advantage for me, to where I can understand and be be a part of that culture and really build relationships with people who maybe weren't raised the same way as my, as I was. Yeah, that's and I think as a pastor, that's incredibly important as well, um, especially on the west side of Oahu as well. And then shout out, um, shout out Southern California, and shout out Oceanside California, because yeah, that's also a very unique, unique place <laughs> for for a variety of reasons. Um, but I guess let's talk about where you felt like you've grown the most? What are the opportunities in your life where you feel like you've had to overcome the most and grow the most? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, I would say one of the most, well, one of those times is when I was 18. I started to, I really started to step out and serve God. And so shortly after that, Kahi, um, Kahi and I were talking about serving Jesus around the same time. And we were, we decided, we heard that God wanted us to start courting, and we knew that we were going to be married already. Well, at that time, I knew I didn't know how to be married. I didn't know how to be a husband, even though I knew that I was going to within the next year or so, because that's where God had spoken to me. I also knew that I wasn't, I wasn't set up for that. My, like I mentioned, my mom kept us close to Jesus. She was the one who was dragging us and really leading the household. I didn't have an example of how to be a godly father, how to be a godly husband, how to lead my household in that way. Um, and those, and I, there was this desperation inside of me of, I need mentorship. I need somebody to teach me how to be the person I want to be. I can't do it on my own. I mean, God is gracious enough to, if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. But he's also given us people um, in the church and people in our lives to influence and to help make that expedite that process, yeah, right? Sure. And so... 
I knew I needed somebody to teach me how to do that. And there was an old pastor of mine who I looked at his life and I admired the way that he led his children, the way that he led his wife. And I knew I wanted to be something like that uh, because that's, some, that's something new to me. As, as an 18-year-old, I've never seen a man lead his household in that way. And I, I needed mentorship like that. So God allowed that relationship to flourish. He took me under his wing. And um, a lot of the things he taught me years ago are the fundamentals of my relationship with my wife, wow. the way that I raised my kid, um, and things that I've, I'll never let go of for the rest of my life because of situations like that. So um, there, there's one. And then I would have to say um, during COVID, when the West Campus shut down at first, you know, there was a real time of, desperation of what what happened i've been coming to this church at that point for probably five years and we wake up every sunday we're setting up and we're it's the it's a labor to to get church ready and we were doing it we've been praying and believing and then all of a sudden with the snap of your fingers it's all gone and then you're like what, what happened to my church what happened to the people we've been ministering to and the people we've been praying for the visions that we've that we've said and the, like what happened um and it was probably the darkest time spiritually i've ever felt because it was, I've never felt that lost. I've never had to question God, like, God, where, what happened? The promises that we've been praying for, that was the first time in my life I've had to ask God, like, was this all for nothing? And it was, it took a lot of perseverance. It took a lot of sticking close. Um, and God really challenged me to do a lot of things, to step out of my comfort zone that I would never do, but simply to build a relationship and to stay close to him. I'm going to continue to be obedient and hear the voice of God. Things like that. So I would, I would say those two things are areas in my life where I've seen God move in a time where I really needed him and desperation and things like that. Yeah, that's super duper powerful. And I'm going to keep you here for a minute because how do people hear from God in dark moments? Um, you talked about dark times. I mean, I've, I've had a few for sure. And we've all had some times where you know, we look back, we're like, oh, I wish I did that better. I wish I did that a little differently. Um, it sounded like you were uh, let down, lost even. And through that emotion, I mean, one, speak on that. And two, like, what practically did you do that helped you? And then what would you change if you had to do it again? Because I know it's still in process, but let's 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 reflect on that a little bit. I think there's a lot in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of the practical things that I did to help get me through that? Um, I remember sitting down, and I, this is this will be for the um, the time when COVID shut down the West Oahu Church, and I remember sitting down with God and just feeling lost, like I mentioned before, and um, confused, and um, just like what happened to everything that I've been believing for for the last five years. I didn't understand. Um, I couldn't understand why we why we weren't meeting as a church, even on the beach. And um, I remember asking, I remember coming to New Valley, and I knew that I knew the call that God had on my life at that time. I knew I wanted to be in ministry. I knew I was going to be, uh, I wanted to be a pastor, a minister, and continue to be raised up in, in that call because that's what God spoke to me. And I knew I knew I heard the voice of God, so I wasn't going to let go of that. Well, I remember coming over here and um, I was just for the first year, I was just coming to church sitting down. And if, you, if you've been a part of, if you have a vision for anything, even outside of church, if you have a vision to, be, to, to move forward and, 
and um, and see favor in, in what you do when you sit down and just do nothing, but it, it eats at you, you know. And that's what I was doing for a year. I was just coming down, coming to church, sitting down. I was getting encouraged, getting fed, but I wasn't walking in what I know that God called me to do. Mm. I didn't have a relationship with anybody. Mm. Um, and I remember sitting down, talking to one of our pastors, and saying, um, and asking God or asking him. Um, why I don't have a relationship with people. I, I've been in sales my whole life. I build relationships for a living, you know? <laughs> sure. And I'm like, why Why am I struggling to have relationships with people? That's a little strange. And I knew that God called me to King's Chapel, but I was telling him I can't go to a church if I don't have a relationship with people. I can't be in ministry if I don't have a relationship with you guys. And I need a relationship before I do anything else. And I was at this place of going back to my old church. I remember praying here like, all right, I at least have relationships there. And so I was going to go back to the, to, to the church I came from, and I told God, I refuse to leave without knowing that I tried everything in my power to stay. Mm. So I, I decided to join a life group. Wow. I was like, if I'm going to build a relationship, if I'm going to talk about, oh, I want to build relationships, I'm going to at least go out of my way mm. to build relationships and do everything within my power to do that. So I joined a life group. <laughs> I, awesome. I joined a life group in the other side of the <laughs> island. It was literally the most inconvenient thing for me to do. I had a but I didn't want to go alone. I hate doing things alone, like shopping alone and stuff like that. So it wasn't like um, I try. I always tried to bring someone with me, and so I had a buddy who was flying in and out of work from Kauai every week, and every Thursday he would fly in, mm. and so I would literally plan my trip to pick him up from the airport, get his luggage in my car, drive it, drive both of us to Life Group, and then drop him home to his family, and then go home myself. Wow! Um, and that was my routine for. Uh, until I decided, until um, I started to see the fruit of what that was, and I started mm-hmm. to build a relationship with people. I started to build friendships, and yeah. everything I've been wanting to do, everything I wanted was start. I could see the fruit and the beginnings of it, and I knew that okay, if I continue this, then I can stay at this church because I'm building relationships with people now, mm-hmm. and I'm at this church because of life groups. That's why I'm a big, I'm a big. Um, supporter of meeting people outside of church mm-hmm. because if you really want to build relationships it's hard to do on a Sunday you know sure. you need to do it you need to do it in your own private time you know that's where you're going to build relationships with people versus you know meeting them when everybody else is coming on the Sunday yeah wow so. that's really good um, yeah the other and I'm just kind of jotting down some things here um, yeah so the other the other thing I wanted to kind of point out for maybe those of you those who don't know what a life group is, go ahead and explain to them what a life group is. And um, I guess what does that feel like now as compared to when you started as far as like your clarity and as far as what that whole process felt like while you're going through it and then what's the difference now? Um, first off, a life group is simply meeting at somebody's house and we used to eat dinner together and um, you talk about Jesus and about the word where God's speaking into your lives and things like that. Yeah, just to hang um, out basically. Yeah, right basically now. just to hang out yeah. with a bunch of other, uh, for me it was a men's group, so a bunch mm-hmm. of other gentlemen. But I have life groups with married couples and things like that nowadays, right? Yeah. But um, what's the difference now and the clarity that I have now is um, I, have, I sit back and I was just talking about this last night. And I'm so amazed by the grace that God's had on my life because 
making choices like that at such a young age and knowing that I hear the voice of God, it continues to build confidence and faith within myself of, okay, I can trust that I hear the voice of God because I've seen nothing but favor and God keep his hand over me. Even in the times where it was tough and I had to persevere, it's, I came out of the other end knowing that, okay, having more trust in the fact that God speaks to me, you know? Um, and it's those moments where I look back today and I refuse to go back to anything that I've, any, any, anywhere I was in the past of doubting and because I've, I've already done that. And when you already overcome something, it's like, I don't want, I, I've proven to myself, I've proven to everybody else that, that it cut, that is, um, that I've overcome when I overcame it. And you, you, you do everything within your power to continue to move mm. past that. Right. So good. that's really where I'm at now. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Um, that's the biggest testimony is I'm overwhelmed with the relationships that God's brought into my life in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, the support and the, um, the sense of family that I have of people who aren't really my family, but who encourage me more than my, more than, um, other people might, you know, and who pour out into me like they are my family, who support my wife and I and mm. bless us like they're my, like they're my parents, bless us like they're my brothers and sisters, you know? Yeah. And it's everything that I wanted three years, it's, it's better than anything I wanted three years ago. You know, when I was crying out to God, oh God, why don't I have relationships? I couldn't even imagine having the relationships that I have now. Mm. You know, it's, it's God's really multiplied whatever I thought he was going to do. Yeah. So. Oh man, that's really, really good. Super good. I want to clap for you, but hold this mic there. <laughs> the, um, you said something earlier about how you heard from God in regards to marrying your wife. And you're hearing from God in regards to this whole situation. And again, you acknowledge the dark place you were in. Um, so for those of us out there that aren't sure what they're hearing from, how do you kind of, and, and to kind of put it like this, you don't have to explain it in a, in a way you would as a minister necessarily, but just however you're led. How, how do you... How do you hear about something? How do you hear about something? I would say the fundamental of it is relationship. Mm. You don't hear anything that you're um, that you don't have a relationship with. So I don't. And as far as like not verbally hear, but listen and take the advice and let it influence me. Yeah. Um, I I have a relationship with you, and yeah. so the things that you say. I take to heart, I hear, I hear those things. And the advice that you give, I look at your life, I'm like, I, I admire a lot of the things that you do. And so I take, the, I, I, I can take those things to heart as to somebody I just met off the street trying to tell me how to live my life. Yeah. I'm not so keen on listening too much to what they have to say, you know, because they don't know me. I don't know them. Mm -hmm. There's a relationship that's really, really, I feel, I would say that relationship is the fundamental of what we're hearing. If you have a relationship with a leader in your workplace, a leader in your family, who your greatest relationships will be the greatest influences and voices in your in your life, right? That's really good. So I would say that. And so as far as being a minister, I have a relationship with Christ. You're you being a man of God, you have a relationship with Christ. So that's how I know that I hear, and that's one of the things that I make sure I maintain is that relationship to continue to hear that voice. You know? Yeah. Wow, that's super good. We're gonna we're gonna stay here for a bit because I think relationships are incredibly important. Um, you talked a lot about influences, about admiration, about mentorship, and about fundamentals. Fundamentals, which wow, very powerful word there because fundamentally there are a lot of things that we all desire in our lives. 
but we might be close or we might be far off from that. That whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is. Um, you've also talked a lot about nurturing and about kind of providing an environment for that vision, that desire you've had to grow. And I think ultimately it goes down to influences, yeah? So admiration, mentorship, fundamentals, but is there anything else that in regards to influences you think people should know about uh, maybe what you've been through or what you've been seeing as a pastor? As far as influencing others or... Um yeah, I mean, like, what, what what commonalities do you see? I mean, in just guiding people, leading people in a pastoral role, I guess, or a minister's role. Yeah, I was actually just um, on this topic this morning, actually, about influence and, and what it looks like in other people's lives and in, in my own life. Um, and I would say the, one of the things that stand out to me that I haven't mentioned yet is being willing to serve others. There's the, the most influential people in my life are the people that went out of their way to do something they didn't have to do. Go out of their way to mentor me. Go out of their way to serve me and really walk with me through the struggles that I was going through and not just telling me I made it past that, you should too, but helping me come to an understanding and really serving me in that way. Ser serving me emotionally and um, as far as what I needed in that moment, right? Um, and those are some of the things that I was just... Um, wanting to cultivate in my life today, this morning, where I'm like, Lord, I want to continue to keep a heart of servanthood. Leadership is servanthood. So if I want to lead others, where my wife and I are ministering on the west side of Oahu with a new church that started up, there's a lot of people who have been serving God for longer than I've been alive, who are, have more qualifications than I could ever imagine. Yet, I, I'm there because I love to serve and I want to keep that heart serving everybody that comes through and being um, walking in humility in that way you know yeah um, showing them that i'm not afraid to be humble mm -hmm. i'm not, take away the position take away whatever it may be i'm not afraid to um to to humble myself and serve whoever comes through the doors and i feel like that's the catalyst for great leadership that's the catalyst for great influence i want to have influence on everybody that i come in contact with as a minister i want to have influence with the people that i'm talking to but I can't expect influence if you don't know that I care for you. If you don't know that I have, um, that I'm willing to serve you, you know? Yeah. So. And she, man, you got me thinking back to when I played college sports. Um, well, first, uh, we, we are the sum of the, or, well, we regress to means. So I'll, I'll start with that. So human beings regress to a mean of an environment that they spend the most time in. So we oftentimes will spend time with five people. And when we spend time with those five people, we become like those five people, whether we like it or not. Right. And when I was a, uh, an athlete in college, I actually found, I look back like a couple years down the road, I'd be like, shoot, like two years ago, I, I did those things. I didn't even intend to do those things, but I was doing these things just because everybody else did these things. And it's crazy, but like everyone is a leader. And there is a leader of those five people that you spent doing those five, those things with yeah. those five people. And so if you look at life as in like, everybody's a leader, everybody's influencing somebody in certain, a certain way, I think you can really start to discern and see like the character traits that you desire maybe, or that maybe that the Lord had given you a vision for, and you see the discrepancy between the two, not as in like a benchmark or a ruler, but like you see where you are and man, like, I'm far off or man, I'm right exactly where I need to be. Right. And I think that proximity, um, AKA the, the 
the people, if you look around you, like who are those people? I think they'll tell you a lot about how you are and how you respond to things and, and who you are, right? Um, you also talked a lot about servanthood and you talked a lot about serving is influencing. And I've always said that like, the leader needs to be the person, I actually read this in a book called Legacy by James Kerr that talks about um, the All Blacks, a, a rugby team, most successful rugby organization in New Zealand of the world. He talks about how the, the captains of the team will sweep the sheds after everybody is gone long into the night when everybody's gone after the match. The captains will be the ones, not the, not the rookies on the team, not the first year players, but the captains will be the ones that sweep the sheds. Mm -hmm. And at church, it's often the pastors that are locking the doors. It's the, it's the pastors that are making sure that things are kept for the next morning. The chairs are put away, all those sort of things. All the details are kind of ironed in. Um, so let's, let's stay on this. Let's stay on influence. Let's say we're far off from the place we're hoping to be. And we're starting to recognize these patterns in our life. And we're starting to recognize, oh, I have this, this gift. I have this, this ability to, I ha or, or I, I don't feel like I have this. What, what word do you say to those people that, um, really can, I guess, glean from your story? I mean, I'm just going to let you take it from me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'd have to go back to, um, that story I shared about when I first started serving God and not knowing how to be the person, the husband, I, the father, and the man yeah, I wanted to be. For sure. Um, don't be afraid to seek mentorship and ask questions. Um, I'm. I love the fact that there's, especially in the church, that there's men um, who are willing to answer questions and to inspire and to share their testimony mm -hmm. um, about what about. Uh, the things that they've gone through and find someone that you that is living a similar lifestyle to what you want to achieve and what you want to be and ask and be around that person like what you were just saying about the five people that you're around and how you whether you like it or not you're going to become those five people um you're going to have similar traits similar reactions similar um, train of thoughts and if you focus on surrounding yourself with people who are who are successful in the things that you want to be um, that's what i did and not in a spiritual sense in a in a sense of the church that's what i did but it's a very fundamental human nature um uh, uh promise or hu human nature um, what's the word i'm looking for you know you know tendency yeah tendency yeah. right to to be around what you to be like what you're um, to take after your circumstances and your surroundings right mm -hmm. and so one thing i made sure i did is surround myself when i first started serving god first thing that happened is i lost all of my friends i had yeah. to i had to stop hanging out with the people i didn't want to be around the, with the, the people that are living the life that i didn't want to have not that i didn't love them not that i don't love them today but they were they were on a track to a life i didn't want and I know that I, and that was one of the first things that I needed to do was remove myself from that situation mm. because we become byproducts of our, of our surroundings. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so I remember that was really the eye opener for me of when I wanted, of how I wanted something different. I remember sitting at a party in um, some, somebody's graduation party and we're sitting and we're doing what, what I've always wanted to do as a kid. Oh, I want to go party and do all this and what was yeah, always glamorized sure. in my, in my community. Well, I remember sitting there and I'm looking around and I'm like, this 35 year old works at Taco Bell. 
this 27-year-old worked at McDonald's, this, and I'm just looking around, and there's nobody that I, there that I have that has a life that I would want. And I'm like, I don't. If I continue down this road, I will, I will be right in these guys' shoes. Yeah. No hope, no vision. Doing the same thing I'm doing now. I'm 18 years old, and uh, at that time, and I'm trying to look around it for somebody in my in my at that party who had a life that I wanted to be like and there was nobody and that was really the starting point of I don't think I want to continue down this road what's a misalignment right? yeah yeah and it was I knew I wanted some I knew I wanted something I desired something better but I was so far off from it and I needed to immediately change my surroundings to help me to help cultivate the person I wanted to be yeah for yeah. sure and I want everyone that's listening to kind of hear what he's saying, you know, like it's not a job, the occupation necessarily, but it's just, he, he had this, like this thing that sat well with him and how he wanted his life to be. And sometimes we, we have that, we get knocked upside the head sometimes and we, we kind of see, man, like, is, is, is this it for me? You know, and it's kind of a scary, it's kind of a scary thought, you know, is this my trajectory, so to speak? And is this the direction of things I'm going to grow in. Um, and he clearly saw a discrepancy between the two, but, um, you said some awesome stuff there in regards to influence in regards to proximity in regards to culture, but I want to pivot a little bit and talk about when you make that choice. What I've found is that people sometimes get upset. You mentioned that and there's a lot of popular talk that talks about shedding your friends and shedding the people, but it's not shedding. And we both have talked about this before. It's not getting rid of them, but it's, it's positioning yourself in a place of these are the ambitions I have. And if you're willing to join me, join me. And if you're willing to grow with me, grow with me. If you're willing to encourage me, encourage me. If you're willing to support me, support me but we only have 24 hours in the day and those 24 hours become very, um, not scarce, but they become very selective when you're in this sort of role because there are a lot of hours that people need you. There are a lot of hours that people need you because of the things the Lord has guided you into. And talk about that. And then I also want you to kind of talk about the, the journey from this point on for Sure. Um, the I like what you said about you know it's not shedding off your friends you know and that's really because that's our hearts. Well, you still love them, right? Right. Yeah. I still remain in contact with them. Yeah. You still I still them. invite them, but it's this. It's we live completely different lifestyles to where yeah. they don't cross paths anymore. And if um, and if they ever looking for hope or something outside of that, uh, our our paths would probably cross, but as of right, at some points, I have some relationships where we haven't talked in years um, because of yeah. we just don't have similar interests anymore. Yeah, you know, and um, I feel like that's so that's so powerful because you never want to lose your heart for the people that you grew up with and your friends. And I don't I, that's so uh, that's so true. Of we still love them, but it's just. When you make a change, you're either going to support and stay in contact. And some, unfortunately, if you're living, if you make such a drastic change from a 180, a lot of those yeah. times it's hard to keep communication going because a lot your life really changes track, right? Mm. So there's that. Um, 
What was your other question? So talk about the journey at this point on. Like after you make that decision, what has that been like? You talked you talked about how like learning was really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the journey continues to be a little scary sometimes, to be honest with you. Just little, like, what have we gotten ourselves into? What is, like, if you look back and it's, um, if you take a step back, it's kind of like, man, there, there's a lot. And you kind of feel some pressure and things like that. But I, rem- I remind myself and I'm reminded of the things that God's already done the things that we're already at. And I'm like, I look back at my life from when I was 18 to now, I'm now 26. I couldn't imagine being where I'm at right now. Mm. I couldn't imagine seeing a favor, doing doing what I'm doing and uh, in doing what I love and, um, and, conti- and walking in continual growth and given that opportunity. There's opportunities I've been given that I would never, that I couldn't, I've, I could only dream of being given, right? Um, and there's there's times where at we're like at launching a new church, you know, you're stepping out of faith. Yeah, I remember sure. I remember opening up the doors and being like, "Who's going to be on the team? Like, we we want to see a huge harvest and and everything like that. Yet we don't know who's going to be a part of the team." And mm-hmm. I look back now and I'm like, Are, I'm overwhelmed with the size, the support, and the men and women that God has brought over to the team. Um, and just examples like that where. As you step out, God continues to meet. As mm-hmm. you step out, God continues to meet. Um, and that's really where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I assume it's only going to get kind of crazier from here. <laughs> but um, sure. but it's it's been enjoyable in that way where the journey of stepping out and seeing the faithfulness of God continue to meet every need that we have. And yeah. not just meet it, but surpass my expectation in everything. You know, it's kind of like that, I, I was just asking for the bare minimum. Yeah, we have some A. Yeah, we have some A plus uh, people and things like that. You know, um, and God's like, I don't, there's not just a, He doesn't want to just meet the need, but He wants us to have to be overflowing in what we're doing. Mm. And so that's really where I'm at. Like I'm 26 years old, and I feel like we're overflowing with whatever. With and it's simply because of what God's doing. It's not because I'm great. Not because I'm all this and uh, and not not anything that I've done. It was this this decision I made to be obedient and to continue to step out in faith. And as you do that, God's never been unfaithful to his people. Yeah. And you talk, you talked about favor. And I think for those who are, you know, are listening and don't know what favor is, favor is really the, the blessing on your life when you choose to become obedient to the true call that the Lord has for you. It's also the expectation of that blessing. And I say that last piece because sometimes we we are in our calling and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but there isn't that expectation of that that abundance, and we're we're kind of selling God short, right? So you mentioned favor, and I know I've had some moments in life where I'm like taking a leap, like in a cliche business way of saying it. I've took it. I've taken the step, and all around me it looks like the walls are crashing down. You know, I moved from to kind of resonate on your story, I moved from East Coast to the West Coast and every single person in my family disagreed with me, every single one. But I knew I had to do something and I knew it, it, it was necessary at that given time, I knew it. And it wasn't like this cathartic, I need to change everything about my life. It was no, I knew the Lord was calling me out, calling me to take that step. 
And when you take that step, when you're in the, and hearing your story, man, when you're in the, when you're in that journey now, when you're journeying with the Lord and when you're taking those baby steps, one little baby step at a time towards the next direction he's calling you to within that kind of bubble of your call, you have to expect favor because it has to come and it has to be delivered because you don't have what you need. You're learning on the fly. Um, I mean, what do you think about what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I, I I second everything you were just saying of you know the um, it's the, the expectation of it um, and to step out and kind of um, see that happen is firsthand is insane. Um, you mentioned that when you moved to the west side of the nation, your family didn't support you, and I'm like, man, I started I started chuckling a little bit because I've had situations very similar to where I I know God told me, but everybody around me was advising against it. And I'm like, but yes. when I get to heaven, I'm not going to answer to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to ask me if I was obedient to him. Yeah. God's going to analyze what I'm obedient to him. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, I'd rather take the chance myself and do that versus. Um, and so the example for in my life is coming to the church I'm at now. I, there was some there was some um, some perspectives that were that weren't in line with what I heard. And it really put me in a place of like, wow, am I really, is this right? Am I really hearing things right? Yeah. I'm, am I making the right choice? Yeah. I started to second guess myself. I went from being, and I'm a very big optimist. Optimist. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm quite the optimist, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think everything's going to work out perfectly. And I hope and I expect everything to work out perfectly lots of times. And um, this is one of those moments where I'm like, oh, that really caught me off guard. I didn't expect for someone not to agree with what I what what I thought mm. I was hearing and the choice I was going to make. Um, yeah. And it came down to the decision of, all right, do I know within do I know in within my own heart and with and with everything in my own being, do I know I'm making the right choice? Mm. And the answer was yes. So then I stepped out. I'm like, all right, that's okay. If you don't agree with it, that's perfectly fine. You don't have mm-hmm. to. You know. I so that's really that. I felt that way when I made the very first decision as an adult in my life at 18 years old. I made, I made the shift to churches when I was 18 years old. And so it was really the first decision I've ever made. And so to hear that somebody didn't, somebody I valued the opinion of didn't um, support what, what I thought I was very excited to hear um, was a little uh, caught me off guard, came out of left field. But I look back now, and I know, you know, it's been, it's, it's one of those situations I, was, I talked about earlier where, you look back at the at the things you've done and what God has done for you, and you know you made the right choice. Yeah, for sure. And it continues to build faith and confidence. And as you as you step out more, you're like, all right, well, I, he did it for me then. I heard his voice then. I can hear it now. I can hear it now. Super good. Um, I want to stay here for a second too because there's fake favor out there, and I say fake in in quotations because. There are people that feel like they're where they're supposed to be. And there are some obvious signs that it's not the perfect place for them. Not perfect. It's good, but it's not perfect. And there are a lot of quote unquote blessings that are just a, um, a result of them being faithful to the job that they're doing or the, the thing that they're, they're doing. And it is a thing they're doing. It's not a calling, right? Yeah. But 
what would you say in regards to fake favor? You know, we have people that, you know, are blessed with bonuses with work. That's, that's a good thing, but it's also a result of being diligent, right? Mm -hmm. But what does favor look like in comparison to kind of the world's definition of blessing, I guess? Yeah, I feel like um, those are two very different things, like what you just mentioned, where you can almost, people try to manufacture favor, mm -hmm. and and it's simply just doing, being faithful. If you if I show up at my job, I expect to be paid. It's yeah. not favor to receive a paycheck. For sure. Yeah. It's your, it's a principle of, it's an agreement. It's, okay, you did this, this is what you get. Um, I see favor a lot. I see favor um, as more of, I didn't deserve this, but yet I got it. Um, and more of this, I don't know, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to receive this, but yet there was favor shown upon me. Um, some There was a grace and um, somebody shows, I'm receiving something that I really shouldn't be receiving. That's how I judge favor. Um, more so than, I've been, in, as mentioned, I've been in sales my whole life. I'm a horrible salesperson. <laughs> horrible at time management. I don't know how many meetings I've missed in my lifetime where, you know, yet um, I'll still close big deals enough to pay pay my bills and support my wife for the first four years in Hawaii where she, so she doesn't have to work, you know? And um, yet that's, I, I see that as favor because mm -hmm. I, I myself was not doing everything that Dave Ramsey or all these other people are, oh, you need to do this and you need to know. Yeah. I was, I love Jesus. I was in this job and I started, I was always the best in what I did, but I, it wasn't manufactured. I wasn't like, I'm the best because I'm here and early and I, and I leave late. I was a very good employee. But I wasn't, um, there were people who were more dedicated than me. There were people who were working harder than me. There, I always saw my job as a means to pay my bills because my heart was in, to be in ministry. I've, I remember when I was 17, I got this job at AT&T and it was the best paying job I've ever had. My wife, you know, my friends, yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of sales. I had a lot of friends who were in sales because, you know, um, it was just my environment. And so a couple buddies were raving about the job and how it's so much better than what we had come from and um, which it was better but the day I got my job I had to stand I had to put it at risk and tell my boss I'm not going to work on Sundays you know wow. and yeah he was like oh but you put on the you you said you could work weekends I'm like I, Saturday's a weekend I work Saturday all day long but I can't work Sundays because I, I refuse to I refuse to give up what I'm doing for God and he threatened to fire me my first day in front of everybody. This is like yelling at me in front of in the whole back wow. staff. And he's like, I have to fire you. You, you, you know, why should I keep you on? You, I need you to work Saturday, Sundays because you're, you're this, you're a new employee and you're supposed to work. And I told him, give me my Sundays off and I promise I'll be the best person in this place. And that's the way it was, you know, and it's not because I was greater. It was because I expect favor everywhere I go. Yeah. And I know that, um, even though I'm undeserving, there's an expectation because of who I serve and what and the, what I believe, and that's what I, that's where I think the difference where it differentiates is you can you can try to manufacture favor and work hard and do all these things and do it on your own, but favor really has to come from somebody else. I can't I can't expect I can't expect you to have favor on me. You have to choose to have favor on me, right? And so that's where I feel you can't really manufacture favor. And I've been I've. I know a lot of people who will say, oh man, I'm doing this. And yes, I want you to be as successful as you can. 
But if you're in the right, perfect place, and I'll go back to church, if you're exactly where God wants you to be, you will see the favor of God. Mm-hmm. You know, And if you're not, that's one of the things you have to ask yourself. Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Because if you, if, you if you are a follower of Christ, you should expect favor. No matter if you're a minister, no matter if you just accepted it in your heart yesterday. If you love Jesus, favor follows you. Mm-hmm. Period. You know? Super good. And we're going to dive at one more thing. And it is the fact that you talked about this. And I kind of breathe, I was kind of breezing over top of it. But like when you make a decision that is truly led by the Lord... I've often said this in my life, and I've seen it a few times now, but when you're acting in accordance with the Holy Spirit and the will that he has for your life, and we're not going to dive down a rabbit hole in the Holy Spirit right now, but when you're doing that, a rift is often caused around you, even in the people that mean the most to you and, and show the most emotion and the most love to you. And I say that because when I moved across country, I was supported, but it, I wasn't agreed with. And the support, I'm going to say this very carefully so I don't get myself in trouble. (laughs) The support I was given was different than what I needed at the time to be encouraged in taking the steps that I needed to be taken because the Holy Spirit was leading me. Um, In times in my life where the Holy Spirit has called me out of something in his timing, the people closest to me in that previous season didn't agree with me. And if we think about the closest people in our life and we think about moments in our life, I'm sure a lot of listeners are, are hearing what I'm saying. But what we need to understand from what Wes is sharing is the reason we have the strength to do that is because of the Lord's favor. When we're saved because of our salvation, because of our uh, relationship growing and developing and intimacy building and and flourishing with Jesus Christ and with God our Father. If we look at the Bible and we look at the disciples of Christ, prime example, Jesus did what he needed to do on the cross. The disciples who were around him for the most acute amount of time and the most amount of time during his ministry were the first ones to, you know, we hear about Doubting Thomas, and that's that's something that will resonate with some that have heard the story of Doubting Thomas. He didn't know where Jesus was. He said he didn't know all this stuff, right? So Doubting Thomas, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, one of the first 12 people that heard his ministry calling in real time and was trusted from Jesus and imparting, like, to people after that. It's crazy to me, but, like, if you look at the patterns, he did that, and he was the closest, one of the closest ones to Jesus, right? So when you're acting in that way, when you're acting in that calling, when you're acting... And you're, you're, and we'll kind of recap it right here because I think this is really, really good. Um, <clears throat> when you're acting because of the relationships that you have and the relationships you're trying to build because of the vision you have for whether it's your marriage, whether it's your, your physical fitness, that's kind of my realm, but um, you're oftentimes in a place where you need to grow. And to grow, you have to then look over at influences, people that you admire for various reasons. They have character traits that you hope to develop and desire uh, for yourself. And then you talked about mentorship. Mentorship's incredibly important. People that want to speak life into you because it is hard and the journey is hard and taking steps of faith and obedience to the true calling you have on your life is hard. You need that 
But that being said, you also need to recognize who has the fundamentals and who doesn't. And there's a lot of stuff here, I understand, but everybody's gonna take away a little bit differently from this because fundamentals can kind of show you the pattern of that person and patterns leave clues. If somebody has something, but they don't have the fundamentals, use your wisdom on that, right? And you can go various number of directions with that. If someone's a good speaker, but the fruit on their life is eh, you know, that, that tells you a lot, right? Yeah. If someone is um, excellent, but maybe they're just talented and not gifted, again, that's something to recognize because we all know a lot of athletes that just end up where they are because they're very talented, but not because they're disciplined. Um, and then dark places, you know, dark places I have found are part of the journey in the Christian walk, we call it the wilderness. It's a place where, and I'll, I'll share a little bit during COVID, I also had a dark place but it was different. And I felt like the Lord said to me, this is gonna be a season of acceleration. I've shared this with close friends. This is a season of acceleration. You're gonna have a chance to be one of two people. You're going to lean into a hard season and be like a sponge and develop and soak up every bit of wisdom you can from the sources I kind of lead you in, or you can sit still and you can veg out and you can just sit and wait. And you can end up in the same place you were three years ago. And I chose to take that very personally and I chose acceleration because I want to accelerate. And it was the harder choice for sure. It was the harder choice to be disciplined. It was the harder choice to say no to things and, and, and allow those yeses to open up afterwards. And I heard that in your story too. The, the hard no, the hard no in your head and then the yes to the true calling, right? And that's typically what happens, right? But to, to kind of land my plane here, the hard no, that you often have to say to something that is good and not perfect is something you would probably regret if you didn't do it, right? And then that yes afterwards comes a long journey of developing into exactly what needs to be to continue to facilitate and be a conduit and be a, uh, a, a boat because you need to have enough to lead and serve people in that place. Not everyone's called to be a uh, uh, minister so first of all thank you so much for sharing your experiences um but for those of us out there that are called to be more than where we are you know wes shared some excellent excellent examples on some ways we can grow um, how we can grow our relationships all the things um and i'll let him kind of finish with some parting thoughts and then um real quick he's going to finish this out but for anyone that is kind of touched by this i want them to reach out to the platform, um, meta underscore the power of change on Instagram. Just reach out, tell us what you like the most about this podcast, but Wes, go ahead and finish up for us. Yeah, I have two thoughts in closing. Um, you mentioned about not choosing what's good for, because you want what's perfect. And um, in that time I mentioned multiple times now of the darkest time of my life where the church shut down, I'm like, what everything I've been working for is now gone. I got offered to become a pastor in a church at that time. And I you go back to I knew what I was supposed I knew what I was gonna be when I was a kid and this, this and that and yeah. it was a good thing. But I also know that's not what God spoke to me last. That's not what I heard from God recently. And I had to really make sure that I didn't go with the good thing to make sure I'm in God's perfect will. Yeah. You know, and I look back today and I'm very glad in the choices that I made, but you see that um, you don't, 
not every opportunity is something you have to jump at just because it's good. You have to individually know what you want, what your what your call is, and you have to make sure you run everything by that. Is this what God wants from my life at this very moment? And yeah. does this line up with what He's always spoken to me? Right. Yeah, that's it. So there's that, and then um, the you mentioned, and we talked about how sometimes the people around us don't um, you don't receive the same support that you would or you don't receive the support that you would expect when you do step out and and do what you're called to do or make the choice that you want to make. You don't feel the same. You don't feel that supported sometimes. And I instantly thought of Peter and Jesus when Jesus is saying he's going to go die. And Peter's like, no, I don't. You know, he's telling him, no, I what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Not that Peter was Satan because God still loved Peter. But Satan implanted the fear into Peter that tried to jump onto Jesus, you know? And that's really what it is. I, you need to be, that's one thing I've learned, is I need to know without a shadow of a doubt in, within myself and within my spirit and within my relationship with God what I want and what I'm supposed to do. And then when I have that, when I have that solidified, I won't be shaken by anything else. And that's really my heart. That's what, that's what I hold dearly to to um, day by day is I refuse to be shaken by anything that doesn't align with what God has told me to do, what God has shown me, the promises that are in his word. I refuse to agree with anything that doesn't come in align with that. So those are kind of my closing thoughts of what we were just talking about. But thanks for having me on, man. This is really enjoyable time for me, and I hope I didn't talk too much. Be good. Thank you, Minister. And for those of you out there, thank you for listening. And if this meant something to you, share it out. You know, we do this out of goodwill. I think there's power in these stories. So share with someone that needs to hear this. Thanks so much, Minister. We ask if this provided value to you, please share this audio with someone you think could benefit from listening. Also, what would help is if you could leave a quick review on any platform you're consuming this content. We appreciate your support. And if you're interested, follow us on social media at Meta underscore Power of Change.